Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Truth and Movies, a packed edition today. In from the Xbox, it's Tomb Raider. Warner Brothers' Lara Croft conversion has it got game. Speaking of conversions, but not about a woman in the game, Mary Magdalene. We look at The Square, extraordinary bonfire of Stockholm vanities from force majeure's Ruben Osland, and shimmering sci-fi Annihilation, Alex Garland's movie of life as mutation now destined for a small screen destination. Too many quality movies, we console ourselves with Film Club featuring Jean-Claude Van Damme's Street Fighter. Truth and Movies, a Little White Lies podcast. Hooray, everybody. Possibly the busiest ever edition of Truth and Movies in all the years we've been making it. And it features David Jenkins. Hey there. And Manuela Lazic. That's me, hello. Hi, Manuela. Hi. Hello to you, David. Much to discuss today. Much. I'm going to start off with one or two comments from people listening. People like Ben Hunter, who saw You Were Never Really Here. After the great review we gave it here on the podcast and in the excellent Little White Lies magazine, he says, I totally agree with the five stars. It was brutal, but surprisingly hopeful. And he says, uh, I've got a suggestion for Film Club, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. It's aged beautifully. I'd love to know what you think and whether you feel it deserves the harsh reviews it received upon release. I've never seen it. David? I think I saw it on, I'm trying to remember if it was VHS or, or DVD. Was it 90? It was What's like that? late was 90s. It that long ago? VHS? I think it might have been a VHS really? rental and I didn't make it through it. I, I'm Did not, you not? I wasn't au fait with the Hunter S. Thompson book and so yeah. it, it didn't really make much sense Manuel, to me. Manuel, have then. you seen it? I have not seen it. Okay. Where do you, we, this is an issue we, we touched on, uh, and quite a sensitive one that we touched on last week. Where do you stand on leaving a film? Halfway. When I heard you talking about this last mm. week, I was trying to think when I did it. Yeah. The last film I remember walking out of was a film called Lawrence Anyways oh my by God. Xavier Dolan. <laughs> but like, it wasn't because I wasn't enjoying the film. Mm. Mm. I was. It, the reason why is because it was in Cannes. It was in the middle of the festival in the day. And basically the soundtrack of the film is a lot of like pounding techno. Mm-hmm. And they'd had it and he, he obviously asked for it to be turned up to absolute max volume. It's basically people shouting in techno for three hours. And I had maybe the worst headache of my entire life. <laughs> and I was try I was trying to do my absolute darndest to stay there, see this one through. Right. If I, once I've seen it, I've seen it, I can go and drink some water and like take five thousand you know, ibuprofen afterwards. But I just I just it broke just, you. It broke me, and I yeah. and I bottled. Aww. Okay, nothing against that film, and I, and I never actually ended up catching up with it because I think it 
the stigma of that. It's an extremely event. full answer. That, that's I know. I wonder again. what the stats are on listeners leaving podcasts halfway. I'd, I'd, I'd say oh. really low. Though. I don't I was, think you want to know that. I was leaving. <laughs> Manuela was actually getting up right there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I've had enough. It's um, funny because that brings to mind a Tony Erdman. You remember the the much acclaimed German comedy? Yes. I left that halfway, oh. but. I went back the next day to see the rest of it. And the reason being that I had no idea it was that long. It's really, really long. It is quite long. It's, it's like true. two hours 40. Mm. And about an hour and 30 into it, because I had parking and I had something I had to go and do of a domestic nature, I went, no, we're probably there. And then I, I checked what, and I, I realised what time it was going to finish and there was no way I could stay. But I did go back and watch it the next day. And did you like it? Oh, yeah, I did. Well, okay, I, good. I think <laughs> the second half was more what I thought the whole film was going to be. Um, I think that slow burn... Mm. makes yeah. the second half what it is. Oh, okay. Yeah, so now you have to see it a third time, <laughs> all the way through. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, still, with the listeners' comments, here's S. Alexei, who's wondering if we've ever thought about doing a film club double bill. And S. Alexei suggests the lives of others with Goodbye Lenin. It's an interesting combination, isn't it? Ah, kind mm. of like German post... Yeah, um, post-fall post of wall. wall. Yeah. yeah. No, pre-wall, pre-fall wall. Okay, double uh, bill. Maybe a bit too similar. Do you think? Yeah. Well, so so they have come up with some other options. Double billing could be a good format going forward if you want to compare past films dealing with the same periods of history because you often get two films coming out at the same time, same plot. Yeah. Uh, So Armageddon Deep Impact, although... SLX says, please don't do those. I actually enjoyed those. <laughs> or adaptations of works by an author like Capote and Infamous. I kind of think, though, that as with today, mm. just because we're going to be dealing with the cinematic film Street Fighter ah, yes. doesn't mean that we won't then have opportunity to talk about such other films as Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. It's, it's surely Mario a future Brothers. film club. I mean, it's, yeah, obviously it's like we've got to save ourselves, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right up there with the the Emoji movie, I should think. Uh, Jack Olson uh, was prompted by a discussion of The Shape of Water to ask whether you can really appreciate critic people a movie on its own without con- comparing it to a, a bazillion other films you've already seen. Isn't there a disconnect, suggests Jack, between people like you and the average moviegoer? And you know what my fingers are doing around that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you were, says Jack, an 18-year-old taking his or her date to a movie... Would you enjoy it? Well, I don't think our jobs as film critics is to compare plot lines. I don't think that's what we're about. Mm. I think we are just looking for films that, you know, we're not looking for films as if we're looking for new plot lines all the time. That's not no. what it's about. But I don't think, sorry, I don't think Jack mentioned plot lines. I, I think well, the fact saying, that it was sparked by The Shape of Water. Comparing it to a bazillion other films, like that's mm. not what we're doing. We're looking for, at each film and trying to see if they have value as art or as entertainment. And I think that's the problem with cinema is that it's both. It's both art and entertainment. So obviously, if you want to go on a date and you're 18, then maybe try and see a film that's more about entertaining than art. Unless you are a cinema aficionado and you want to do that. I it's, think, it's I think, complicated. I think sometimes when you do reach for a, a comparison with another film... Mm. It's usually if you like something and you want to kind of find some simple shorthand to mm-hmm. sort of sell it to someone quickly. Exactly, yeah. So like, yeah, of course. But then, but when I think when we're doing like criticism, you wouldn't want to go too heavy on the kind of it's X, Y, Z. You don't ever want it to be about what films you've seen, you know? Because, <laughs> no, you know, I think a lot of critics, when they talk about film, 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 mm-hmm. it, it's about them rather than the film in the end. 
Uh, it's, a, it's a complex subject. No, yeah. no, it is. I mean, the question is, can you appreciate a movie on its own? Like, of course we can. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, mm. yeah. But we, uh, we try there, to. There is, I guess, there is a there is a risk that people who see films all the time and sometimes many films in in in, in the same day won't come to a won't won't experience a movie in the same way that somebody who goes along mm. on a Saturday night and therefore what they say about the film won't necessarily be that reliable a source of whether mm -hmm. an 18-year-old on a date will have a good time. But there you go. I guess that's just one of those things. It's, it's the most subjective thing out there, I think, yeah. possibly, film criticism. I, th yeah. I think also, uh, when you're a place like Cannes, that's when it happens. Cause when you're seeing like mm. four or five films a day, mm. you start to compare... the like, And also the whole film on the same day without a chance to go out and watch it the next day. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I really value. Uh, if you would like to get in touch so we can be befuddled by your comment uh, truth and movies at tcolondon.com is the email address at lw lies on twitter there's facebook and also the wall the wall is that what it's called the, the, the wall the of truth wall. <laughs> okay well it's there anyway right we've got loads of films to talk about the first of which is tomb raider Lara Croft, fiercely independent daughter of a missing adventurer, must push herself beyond her limits when she finds herself on the island where her father disappeared. Here is Lara coming over, all Dora. I think I know where they went. Our dads. To the bottom of the sea? They were headed to an uninhabited island. So off the coast of Japan. It used to be called Yamatai. There's at least 6,000 islands off the coast of Japan. Hardly any of them are populated. Well, I have a map. Now all I need to do is to figure out what these are. I think these are coordinates. The location. They're clock hands. <laughs> They're not clock hands. Definitely not clock hands, there. They are clock hands. <laughs> That's the one. That's right in the middle of the Devil's Sea. You might as well tie a stone to your foot and jump off the boat now. It'll be an adventure. Death is not an adventure. Manuela and David, you've seen this. I haven't, and I'm really jealous. On a scale of 1 to 10, where 10 is a fun romp, and Neil is a drab, depressing marketing cash-in thing. Where, where where does this one stand, Manuela? I would say seven. <gasps> yeah, but it's it's um, well, you have to calculate throughout the film because yeah. I think it, it gets to seven. Is it a kind of J curve? It's it's more starts at two and reaches seven in the last forty-five minutes. Okay, maybe so. Yeah. It's not too bad, but it does take its its time to get there. I think. What kind of graph are you looking at? I'm looking at a seven, and at its best points eight. But mm. fairly, fa I would say less of the J curve. Actually, I was like pretty. I was with it for the long haul. There's a few spots of cheese in there, mm. a few yeah. a few nuggets, but like there nothing. Uh, if I take my 18 year old date to this, are they going to enjoy it on Saturday? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, Certainly. Well, maybe. <laughs> you, you can make out during the first bit, and then you can yeah. watch the action. Yeah. So one of the reasons I'm excited about this, apart from my obvious love of the character, is the cast that they put together. Which, I mean, it's it's only a a small indication, but I thought, well, the, uh, mm -hmm. there's this quality there. You've got, well, Alicia Vikander, Dominic West, one of two films he's in mm -hmm. this, this week. Walter Goggins, who I enjoyed hugely in The Hateful Eight, 
Uh, Chris and to- Scott Thomas, Jer- Derek Jacobi, proper thespians. <laughs> yeah, That's very funny when Derek Jacobi just turns yeah. up as a, as a kind of like pen pusher. Mm. Like, he, he's not really got a character in the film, but that almost makes it even better. Yeah, he doesn't need one. <laughs> yeah. He's Derek Jacobi. He's Derek Jacobi. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, it's not a film necessarily that you would approach with the same uh, critical parameters that, say... The square would 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 require. I mean, you're require. sitting down and you're watching and uh-huh. you're trying to figure out if you like it. Yeah. I mean, that's the basis of it. Did you? Uh, <laughs> so overall, then in in the end, you you liked it. Yeah, in the end, I really found it. Um, it did some interesting things, and even before. So basically, I think it's called Tomb Raider for a reason because she's about raiding tombs, and it gets really oh. good when she's actually doing that. Yeah. But the thing is that it takes some time to get there. But even then, like even before that, there are some nice moments. So for instance, she's this. She's the young uh, contemporary kind of, I don't want to say woke because it's bad, but uh, she's like a, a girl of today, you know. And so she lives in London and she is seen going to the restaurant where she works as a delivery woman in on Brick Lane. So it's really nice to see just London of today in the film. Okay. And she has this amazing bike race uh, across uh, like... Where, where about is it's it? It's around like East London. I, I yeah. was. Do they stay in East London? Or do they magically? Kind no. Of... Do you know what it's was interesting? Accurate, I, th- I, think. I, I think one of the th- there is actually a bit of a fluency as yeah. to like it's not just like oh they're going by Shoreditch High Street Station and now they're in like Wembley. Seen, yeah, exactly. Fast and Furious <laughs> yeah. Six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although yeah, they're very curious. fast cars, of course. So. Of, yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. Now here's another question. I'm not sure if you've played through to the end the recent reboot of. Uh, Tomb Raider, which this movie is very much based on, I think came out a couple of couple of years back. So maybe you can't answer this question. If you've played that game, have you not effectively already seen this film? When you will, you still be able to enjoy the movie? I can't answer that. I don't I'm, think it's the same story no? at all. I think okay. it's like I think it's it's based. I think it's similar to the game in terms of what her character is able to do and what she's about. But I don't think it's the story. I think that's the thing with. Um, films based on video games mm. that often um, I mean this is about ethics in game journalism but uh, often with, uh, with films based on video games is that the pleasure is the action and not so much the story but they can still tell a story in the video game and so, and so many video games have interesting stories but I think with the film they try to you know stick to the legend of her looking for like having this dad and being all about tomb raiding and stuff but the story itself is a bit simple and there's not much mystery there it felt for me like a very rare example of a kind of action movie where you've got a hero who's very human like yeah it's a really really thin thin line that they, they tread and they do it so well in that you constantly feel that she might die oh yeah, really totally. so there is actually yeah. and there there is a feeling of like she's not just going to do this superhuman mm. thing and she save herself she doesn't have like five lives the way she gets out of these scrapes they're very fumbling. There's no like finesse to it. Mm. Like they're, they're very kind of just like I've got to do whatever I need to do mm. to get past this next mm. thing. And and it was it was not a superhero movie. No. I mean, you know, you you might sort of see it as a kind of origin story because it does like tee itself up for it's a sequel, right? Does it? Yeah. But it's not because she is more of a kind of a character and a person. Yeah. It seems weird to be mm. saying this about a, a, a computer game movie, mm-hmm. but that you know they've obviously thought mm. lot hard about let's try and like couch this in some kind of reality yeah. even though there is a kind of the fantastical element that is kind of mm. buried deep in the tomb 
there is a kind of realistic element to yeah, that totally. as well. There's no, there's no yeah. magic, and there's no kind of. It's not it's like not the, the mummy. mummy. Yeah, <laughs> you saw right. the mummy, didn't you? Exactly. Yeah. The Tom Tom Cruise. Oh yeah. It's the anti mummy. It's okay. very. It's that. So it's the auntie the, or the mummy, which was <laughs> the anti mummy. Sorry, very good. So tell me, the director is the Norwegian Raw Utag, who has done what previously, Manuela? Uh, he's done a film called The Wave. Okay. Which I haven't seen, but I've heard it's pretty good. Okay. It's like a thriller. Good. Mm. And this is a, 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 a top recommendation by the sound of it from you guys. I was surprised. I was not going in this into this with very high expectations at all. Very bizarre, actually, that at the time of, of seeing, it had already been released in, I think, India. Uh-huh. And that you could actually see on Rotten Tomatoes, there were a lot of reviews from Indian newspapers. And how did they feel about and it? And they were all extreme negative reviews really that added to my kind of well I guess the other thing was that it's actually out this well we're recording this on Wednesday and it's out this evening on advance and your screening wasn't until the day before which is usually a little bit of a warning sign in terms of what the studio think it's going to do with the critics the later the review or or even in most extreme cases an absence review indicate oh my god this is a turkey let's quickly Mm. get it out before anyone has a chance to say anything I I think they've totally botched it they should have been screening this well in advance I mean yeah. it's really good and you I think it go got a really good positive word of mouth give I mean, it some numbers then David do my anticipation was maybe on the one two axis mm-hmm. uh, yeah very low I, I, as I'm also not a massive Alicia Vikander fan uh, I had a really what's your objection to Alicia she picks a lot of very bad films and I what, just what, don't think she was she, in the, the Danish Girl the Danish Girl was very bad she, she's just what else very she kind of braying and really actory and yeah just mm. I know there's a film you like with her in it anyway <laughs> which, but, which film's that no it's uh, more complicated I don't like the film that ah. much but I think she's amazing and it's called The Light Between Oceans oh right yeah, yeah she made fun. it with uh, Fassbender mm-hmm. and I think she's the film is very average but she is so alive in that film and I think about this film all the time and I saw it two years ago I think about this movie like once every two weeks at least okay it's wow. crazy so I go four for enjoyment yeah because I had a, a romping good time lucky you and I would Probably say three for in retrospect because I mean I, I you feel I'm, a bit bad about it. Don't you? It's like eating I, a it's self hating fast food and you it's feel like cheap. E- than it's it, eating so. a, an entire chocolate orange and just Ooh, and just is that good. <laughs> It, That's, yeah. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure that. All right. I, okay. I'm not but sure. You I have a see good it again. time when you watch it. Good time you watch it. Don't you see it again? But excited for the sequel. Yeah. <sighs> She's got two guns. She's got two guns. Damn, she packs heat. <laughs> All right, Manuela. Um, yeah, anticipation. I would say one or two as well. I didn't have high expectations, except except for Vikanda. I love her so much, but you know, I don't want her to fall into the franchise trap. So, but I think she's going to be okay. Uh, enjoyment. I would say first three and then four, because <laughs> okay. I think it really picks up once she's in the tomb. And how excited really. are you for these sequels? I think it could be really fun because uh-huh. they they kind of started establishing some things as well that don't get explored too much. But I'm not going to spoil it here. But um, yeah, I'm excited, and hopefully they will get they will learn some lessons from that one, which is get in the tomb fast. <laughs> yeah, stop that. Exactly, I don't care about dad. Okay, video game conversion. For some reason, I moved to mention at this point Ready Player One, which is not strictly a video game conversion, but obviously is massively oh, concerned uh... with video gamery. When is that out? I think it's out in a couple of weeks. Right. And so the first preview's we... coming up next Monday. I'm really looking forward to seeing that and also hearing what you guys think. I'm not sure about it, to be honest. Mm. Uh, the, the trailers, 
A lot of people are down on the trailers. Yeah. But it's Spielberg sci-fi, you know? It played at South by Southwest, which is a festival in Austin. It had a kind of secret world premiere there. Mm. And it seemed to go down really well. So, Mm. you know... Don't doubt the beard is the, the moral of that story. Very much so, yeah. Excellent. Well, that was Tomb Raider. Next up, The Square. Next up, The Square. Christian is a prestigious Stockholm Museum's chief art curator who finds himself in both professional and personal crises as he attempts to set up a controversial new exhibit. Here's a particularly choice scene in which... Christian, played by Klaus Bang and Elizabeth Moss, meet in a gallery and attempt to have a very awkward conversation in between the noise of a couple of installations. How often would you say that you take women that you don't know very well and have sex with them and be inside them? I'm not sure, really. I'm, I, I... Do you not remember them? Yeah, sure, I do, yeah. You know their names? Yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. Always? Always, yeah. 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 So what's my name? I know your name. Okay, then good. What is it? I'm not going to go into this with you. This is stupid. Mm-mm. Anyone that would know somebody's name would just say, of course I know your name. Name? I know your name. What is it? Okay. Probably loses a lot without the visuals, but that for me was a particularly choice example of why this film was so entertaining. As I say, you probably need the, the pictures to go with it. But Ruben Ostland, who who did Force Majeure, you will recall the 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 drama about the evolving dynamics that follow a uh, a family's individual decisions when an avalanche hits them or appears to uh, won the Palme d'Or for this in Cannes. And uh, do you feel that's a good decision, David? You've already said you found it really... Uh, that You described that scene as exciting and, you know, the last thing I want to do is, like, kill your buzz. <laughs> but I can honestly say I hated this film. Oh, wow. Like, with a kind of a fiery intensity. <laughs> See, from the first scene, I was already enjoying it. The first scene is he's awoken and shepherded in to do an interview and he's as, he's as bewildered and has as, li- as little idea of what's going on as the viewer at that point. And I just enjoyed the way... And from that moment on, there's just a lot of very well-observed lines and the, the way that I think Ostland sets everything up. He he, he hones... He, he kind of treads that fine line of, of irony and, and, and satire of people's vanity and... and you say that hmm. first scene, though. Let me let me just mention... So, like, this... Okay. Op- you have this opening scene where Klaus Bang's character is being interviewed and he's this wannabe, high-minded, pretentious gallery owner. He's being interviewed by a journalist played by Elizabeth Moss and in his answers that he delivers to her questions, he kind of highlights the absurdity of his view of the art world. And, you know, it's it's kind of very pretentious and very, very over the top and very disconnected from what actual normal people are interested in. I think and, it's exactly um, the kind of conversation that someone would have in a gallery, though. Exactly. No, it, I, I don't disagree with that. And it's, it's very much a front for his own intellect. You know, you get this point about, oh, aren't people in the art world quite but, sort of disconnected mm. and pretentious? And then the film goes on for like two and a half hours. And it, I mean, it's it almost as long as it's, it's it as long a- as <laughs> My feeling was the film says everything it has to say in that first scene. 
and then says it again well, okay, 50,000 times. Um, oh. I, can, Manuela, can I, can I just leap in at this point? Yes. Okay, so that first scene I really, really liked. And I found everything in this film, certainly until the last half hour, to be both very naturalistic and also very keenly judged, nice, superbly uh, satirical in the subtlety with which... Uh, Austin makes his points. There are a, a lot of very sly little digs. But I think the reason that he does go on at su- such length is he's not just satirizing art. Uh, he's satirizing everybody. There's a there's a continual kind of parade and a really nicely, really well-juggled carousel of characters who come through, some from the art world, some just from any other w- w- uh, walk of life, and they, they disappear from the story and then they come back in again. And all the time, Austin's gently, I think, uh, highlighting their kind of awkwardness and their and, and at times their, their vanity. I know we said we weren't comparing it to things, but at times it reminded me almost like a kind of a, a sexy Swedish version of 2012. Do you remember that that mockumentary about the uh, the, the build up yeah, yeah. to the London Olympics? Just in the terms of the way of a, an office being run by a man and the the various scenarios that that develop. But as I say, a much uh, a, a 2012 about sexy, successful Swedish people. So I, I just sat there from the first scene, and I really wasn't expecting this with a, a broad grin on my face, and it really wasn't until the last half hour that that, it, that wore off at all. Mm. Manuela. I think, I definitely think it's too long. So let's put it on the table. I think it could have been so much shorter because it's, it's true. It does make its point, its key point in the opening scene, but I think the rest of the film is all about exploring the implications of that point, which is the art world, you know, art is supposed to be something that opens the mind and makes your life better and makes you see life differently. But it is technically, realistically reserved for the elite. So what happens if we try and open it to people? And does it help the elite to see poor, poorer people better? And then the film exposed that question. And it it's not an easy question. So I understand that it takes two hours and a half. But I think, yeah, like you see the character of Class Bang dealing with that at the scale of his installation that he's presenting, which is the square itself, which is the square where if people step in it, it's a zone of, how do we explain it? It's like, it's about, it's a zone of total trust in each other. So everyone is equal in the square. But obviously that's supposedly what a museum could be, you know, a free museum where everyone can go and see the art and learn something and get, you know, their spiritual lives enriched. But the reality is not that. And uh, and then in Klasbing's life, that dilemma develops in so many insane ways. So that's why, like, I agree that it's like, really realistic, but it's also so far-fetched. Mm. Like, every, some really random stuff happens to him, but the way he deals with it is really realistic. And the way, and the way it's, it puts him in really awkward positions. He's super realistic. So it's not always like a pleasant watch, but it's often really funny. Oh, yeah. But ultimately, it's really uncomfortable. I think more than 2012, as I mentioned before, Bonfire of the Vanities, which wasn't a successful film mm. at all. But in terms of the dynamic of taking somebody from one class and making them take a wrong turn and then seeing how that develops and, and, and mm. how that then juxtaposes their own idea of themselves with the way they behave. One of the key things, and right from the start of this film, is the notion of help. Yeah. People asking for help, it, do you give it? And that certainly seems to be something that he's trying to 
explore here. And I guess that ties in with Force Majeure, which isn't otherwise obviously a, a, mm. a film with many connections to this. That notion of the responsibility of people. He actually says uh, the bystander effect. This was Austin's quote. The reason we don't have the ability to take responsibility in situations, we're thinking, don't take me, take someone else, which I think does tie in a bit with Force Majeure. Did you like Force Majeure? I liked it more than this, but still didn't find it very credible. I, I think that all his films for me seem like an idea. Mm. He's come up with the idea first and then retrofitted like a, <laughs> well, yeah. a drama around it. I think yeah. he definitely has, but that doesn't have to be a bad thing. I mean, maybe it's not a bad thing, but for me, it just doesn't work at all. Mm. I mean, and this one is was just it, it took all the ba- the things I didn't like about Force Majeure mm. and just amplified it. Mm. Um, I do I mean, think to, it's pretty indulgent in some ways, like the way he exposed some things. For instance, with the ape-like performance artist. I think mm. it's amazing. I think it's a great scene, but I can understand that it can be taken as insanely indulgent and a bit obvious because, the, the, yeah, it's it's obvious. I, I mean, it might be worth adding that they're like, just to give a bit of plot, Oh yeah, mm-hmm. just to contextualise some of the things that have been said, like there is this sort of central conceit at the beginning of the film where... Um, well, that's actually quite a spoiler if you see, I think, what happens at the start of the film. Okay, well, th- but th- it, there is an is incident it? which triggers his onward journey, shall we say. Yeah. The, the, like, this is a kind of, almost like a kind of subplot that exists outside of his work in the gallery, which is kind of working concurrently. And for me, this subplot was so stupid was really? so lazy, was so idiotic, was was so far-fetched. You said far-fetched yourselves. Yeah, I did. That there was just not a second that I could fathom that this would go ahead, that, that this character in this position would be Adam Sandler-level dumb <laughs> in his, like, sorry, I, I mean that in his, <laughs> not not the real Adam Sandler, because I'm sure Adam, real Adam Sandler. Oh, that's not what okay. I'm saying, whoa. Uh, okay, Billy Madison, <laughs> Waterboy-level, dull, like, stupid, like... You know, he he just makes this decision, which is so idiotic and obviously poor <laughs> that you, I couldn't, I just could, for the entire film, I just could not contend with how could this guy in this position choose to do this thing. I mean, well, you know, why? it's and, because he has know, the sense of righteousness. I know, maybe that's, but maybe that's the that's the problem. It, You're too it, good. It just for prevented this movie. me from under from, from appreciating the film and. I just think that Ruben Osland is is a horrible cynic. He just he just yeah. hates everything and everyone, and everything's yeah. awful. That's why I enjoyed we want to we want to so kill much. each other. <laughs> we want to hurt each other. We don't understand each other. Yeah, Did you like the kid in the Seven Eleven? At least I thought he was amazing. Oh, his performance is great. Yeah, Perf- but in terms of yeah, uh, yeah stories, I don't know. I don't know if it's my favorite bit. Okay, <laughs> so well, I'm going to say that I wasn't expecting anything good from this film at all. Well, actually, you know, the trailer is... Come on, Palm Door, winner. Yeah, won the... Well, yeah, but... but. (laughs) Did you see... Actually, this is maybe relevant. Did you enjoy the trailer? When you saw the trailer for this, did you think that looks interesting? Or do you think, oh dear? Well, I originally saw it in Cannes. Oh, before the trailer. trailer. So, now, the trailer, the the notion of a film about a curator at a Stockholm gallery getting embroiled in things and controversy for a new exhibit. Not necessarily something that would light my <laughs> fire particularly, but I thought the trailer looked entertaining, so I'd say maybe three going in. I'm bordering on a five here for much of it. The last half half hour, lost it a little bit, but I'd, I'd give it a solid four at the time and, and certainly afterwards, and I, I've been recommending it to people. Ah, that's yeah, good. I've been doing Can you that. tell them it was two and a half hours long? 
Yeah. <laughs> you just yeah, for them to yeah, be ready in, so that they don't have the car parked. They don't have to you know. stay for the last half yeah. hour. Take That's more, true. They take can more go in money two for days. The <laughs> pay the ticket. Yeah. Take more money for the meeting. Yeah. What, what do you think, Manuela? Um, uh, anticipation. I really didn't have anything to expect. I, I hadn't seen Force Majeure and still haven't seen Force Majeure, so I didn't know. Uh, actually, it was. I remember in Cannes, um, I saw that film quite late in the festival because. Davy was telling me it's horrible, and uh, Sophie was telling me it was really good. So oh, I Sophie liked know. it. Yeah, she loved it at the time. Anyway, I think she still does. Yeah, yeah. And a lot, the majority said it was good, so I went and I was like, "Well, there you go." There you go. <laughs> but okay. yeah, so anticipation probably two, three, uh, enjoyment I would say four because I think it is a bit long and it's a bit but strong four. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I was, a, this is a director who knows what he's doing, and mm-hmm. that's. I thought, yeah, the, Enough the, sometimes. the framing, I mean, the cinematography. Yeah, I think is, the cinematography is, is great. And the sound was really good as well. Mm. There's some really immersive sound design. And Class Bang, we need to talk about Class Bang. Let's talk about <laughs> he's him. He's wonderful. Mm. So he's the lead actor. And apparently he's quite, uh, he's a theater actor in this country. And so he was quite famous in that sphere. But now he's exploding. Because um, I looked at his previous stuff thinking he must have been in loads. But no, he's been a bit no, of Borgen and kind of scandal yeah, 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 noir yeah. stuff. But you, so he reminded me of a kind of... international career, I think. I think he has been... I read an interview where he said he got so many offers for really, really big American films. Like kind of Bond level stuff. So, yeah. so I'm not, I'm I'm not surprised. Yeah. I thought he was quite magnetic in this and so does Elizabeth Moss. Mm. He reminded me a little bit of Gabriel Byrne. Do you have a kind of sca- Scandinavian Gabriel Byrne? I don't know what that is. That's a reach. That is, that's think? a reach, I think. I wouldn't have made that connection. I'm thinking of Gabriel Byrne in like Miller's Crossing. Yeah, or uh, in, what was it, in Treatment? Claire Spang is, seems more kind of obviously like, I can imagine him doing like modelling for, for like M&S or something. Mm. He's yeah. really beautiful as well. Anyway. <laughs> Do you want my scores? Yeah, yeah. come on. Just to just to give it a oh, nail, it, David. Come in on. In retrospect, I would say four. Sorry. Oh yeah. Go for it. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I probably had three anticipation because I, you know, I didn't love Force Majeure, but I thought you know this could be. I wasn't crazy about Force mm. Majeure either, but I thought it was interesting. Force Majeure. And this, I uh, probably probably one for enjoyment and one in retrospect. I just hated it. Just really oh, hated right. it. What, what did you say? Sorry, I just said Force Minor because you said you didn't enjoy it. Oh right, no. Force Minor. Right. <laughs> I think you were saying like Force My Score or something <laughs> like that. No, that's, that's a bad joke. Right. My joke was better. <laughs> so uh, there you go. Then so see it or don't. It's the pits. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we tell you you have to see it. Yeah. And if you don't, then. I th- it's illegal. I have to know, say that for most of this film, it's, it's one okay. of the films I've enjoyed most. Of I just like I love all that kind of awkward. But mm. you know what? I think this this is exactly what Ruben Oslin wants. Right. He wants people to go and love it and hate it and have an argument about it. I think you know yeah. maybe maybe it's a success on that. It's front. like that, that thick said. yeasty spread you put on. <laughs> it, what is it called no. again? Bovril. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> so hey, let's move on then from the controversial square. To Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene. Peter, played by Chiwetel Ejiofor, and Mary Magdalene, played by Rooney Mara, discuss upcoming events in the biblical story. Did he say what he thought? I think it was a vision of what's to come. The kingdom. We need to gather more people. Jerusalem. Passover. That is where he'll begin it. 
How? I didn't question him. I think he's afraid to go. He's afraid of what God might ask of him next. Our rabbi fears nothing. I'm glad for his humility. Are you? So what is the angle then? Because there have been some contemporary Christ movies or biblical flicks. So they generally have, whether it's a kind of a full-on gore Passion of the Christ type approach, or they, they generally have some shtick at play. What, what is it that has made the Weinstein Company, of all people, uh, produce this fresh take on the Mary Magdalene story? Well, I think the idea was to have a sort of feminist angle on the story because it focuses on Mary Magdalene and on uh, what supposedly actually happened and how, what she actually did because there's this... Uh, idea that she was a prostitute and the film makes it very clear that she just was not at all and she was simply a woman who found faith in this uh, prophet and decided to follow him and at first it wasn't easy because other people were wondering why she was following him but that's not even the key of the story it's not like oh are you in love with him it's not that it's just why is she leaving her family why is she following this weird path because she's supposed to get married you Uh know what's that she's not doing what a woman is supposed to do so that's i think that's the idea to have a sort of feminist angle and also to probably to just retell this story um in a more contemporary cinematic way with um really talented actors like joaquin phoenix and And plays um, jesus yeah the big Mm -hmm. man yeah the big guy guy. and and how is he at jc uh, he's pretty good. I mean, I think the, the the issue with this film actually is to do, maybe to do with that dynamic where, on one hand, it wants to be like let's tell this story from this this fresh vantage from the female perspective because you know as she's going through her trial, she also is oppressed for being a woman mm-hmm. by the disciples who are you know turn out to be rampant misogynists. Yep. But the, the the issue is that instead of actually trying to mine for some kind of you know insight into how this story could have be about the, the experience of being a woman at this time it basically just shows the jesus story and then occasionally you just it, yeah. it, you see her like wandering looking at the jesus story happening mm. it's basically like a it's from her perspective rather than being about her but it's still the yeah. same events yeah it's the same yeah. events i mean and, and so you're actually in this bind where you're thinking jesus quite interesting i kind of wish i was with him more rather than what with the woman who's watching him be interesting. Yeah, when you think about it that way, it's really disappointing because, for instance, you often see Joaquin Phoenix, or Jesus, um, suddenly wandering off and his disciples are like, what's going on? I guess we have to follow him. And she's always the one who sees him going off the first uh, at first. And so she's like, we have to follow him. What are you doing, guys? And they're all like, I don't know. And she's like, we have to follow him. So it's like we never understand why Jesus is doing anything that he's doing. But we understand that she wants to follow him, whatever he does. So, I mean, that's an insight, but it's not super interesting. Huh. Whereas if you make a movie about him and about his faith and his experience with God, I guess, obviously, that's a different project, but that would be more interesting. But interesting what you said before about how it sounds like a cult, because Joaquin Phoenix actually does look a bit like a kind mm. of Charles Manson. like a Mary Magdalene Marcy May, you might Yeah, remember. no, it, it, indeed, very good. Well, um. he, was in, he was in The Master, and now he is The Master. Oh, exactly. yeah, nice. <laughs> and he and Rooney Mara started dating, confusingly, uh, during the production of this film. Yeah. I know, that is quite The crazy. pool of faith. <laughs> mm. Yeah. But, yeah, faith it, right now. 
at the beginning you sort of asked the question about what's the reason for doing this. I can honestly say I've got no idea. Like, I mean, and that's probably part... I was being very generous with my uh, (laughs) feminist angle. (laughs) Well, there's there's a religious context and a religious market, I guess, for this, but it's not... You don't think it's particularly aimed or it won't find an audience beyond that? That's the thing. I think that successful religious films, especially or faith-based movies, as they uh-huh. call them in America, they're generally successful because they're, they're kind of giving a very pro-God message. Like right. they're, they're sort of, they deliver the message why you need to be Christian or why you need to be this, because if you're an unbeliever, this is what will happen to you. Right. Whereas this film is very, very objective and it's very sort of careful and it's, it's trying to be an art movie, but mm. with these big stars in it and it just has no kind of dynamism. It's just never. It never does anything interesting, and mm. it's you're waiting for something to happen that just never does. It's just mm. a bit. In the end, it's just a bit of a kind of arty dirge, and it's not even arty in a, in a way. Yeah. Oh, uh, the alternative, like I think, um, a Bible movie is either about believing, or it's a biblical epic, right? Where it's like really intense scenes, like violence and insane moments of miracles you know mm. and there are some miracles here actually but um, they are played of played as kind of as Quite if banal. you were seeing a, re- a miracle in real life which is is just something that happens and that doesn't have an explanation it's not like built built up so Joaquin actually uh, resuscitates someone being called Joaquin Phoenix so that that happens Oh, Phoenix, Phoenix, right? right? Yeah, from the She actually (laughs) leaned over in the film and said to me, that's why she's called Joaquin Phoenix. (laughs) Right. And I'm not sorry. And I'm not not joking. That was easily the highlight of the film. Well, imagine if he'd done that bit like on water. He would have been walking on water. Oh, (laughs) my God. They missed a trick there. They really did. (laughs) So, anyway, it's not a great film. (laughs) Is it set up for it? No. (laughs) (laughs) Although, actually, yes. Well, um, yeah. well, but, but that's the thing. I mean, like you know, they also choose to tell the chunk of story that everyone already knows. Yeah. Right. So it's like you're kind of thinking, you know. I mean, obviously, like source materials and whatnot. Because I mean, this idea that she wasn't a prostitute is comes up in a subtitle at the end, saying, yeah. based on new confirmed findings in the in the Vatican. So it's very yeah. like, you know, we're not just making this up, guys. Yeah. yeah. And, but <laughs> it's not just opportunistic. But but yeah, it's a bit of a failure, really, especially because you know it's massive talent involved. Yeah, and totally. um, I think Joaquin is really good. I mean, he's, yeah, he's he's I'm very really magnetic good. in the film, but you you know he's he's barely in it. I mean, mm. as I say, the the sort of Pontius Pilate and whipping and stuff just isn't there. Yeah. Is it not? Give it some <laughs> digits and we'll move on. Uh, anticipation one. Because uh, the director is Garth Davis, who yeah. made Lion, which I did not like at uh-huh. all. Top of the Lake as well, which... Oh, I haven't seen that No, yet. it got a lot of... Oh, did he do the new one? I don't know if he did the second one. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, so I did not like Lion, so I was okay. not excited for a Jesus movie from him. Uh-huh. Uh, then Enjoyment, one or two as yeah. well. And it's long, it's two hours. Oh. We've decided we talk about length now, uh-huh. so I'm going to talk about yeah, length yeah, every no, time. Yeah, absolutely. You wouldn't <laughs> and, buy a sofa um, without knowing if you could fit it in your front room. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, retrospect, yeah, one or two. I one think a, two. a better, Same few, David. A better Jesus movie would be uh, Pier Paolo Pasolini's um, The Gospel According to St. Matthew. Okay. That is that's, a that's terrific amazing. movie. Yeah? It's that's the best amazing. movie. Okay. So, twos from me across twos. the board. Mm. Let's move on. Then next up, it's Annihilation. Annihilation. This is based on Jeff Van der Meer's best-selling Southern Reach trilogy, 
or at least the first book of it, and it follows a group of female scientists in their increasingly tense mission into a stretch of wilderness transformed by the arrival of a meteorite from which almost no man comes out alive. Now, this movie has been talked about for a while and quite keenly anticipated, but all of a sudden, whilst it is on release in the States, not doing very well, I don't think, it's been dropped on Netflix. Uh, the cinematic release isn't going to happen in Europe. It's just been put straight onto Netflix, which is kind of a surprise and, I, and one that I don't think Alex Garland, uh, the writer and director, is desperately keen on. I mean, he says, it is what it is, but we made the film for cinema. I've got no problem with a small screen. Uh, he loved The Handmaid's Tale. I think there's incredible potential within that context. But if you make it for TV, you think of it in those terms and you design it for TV. This we designed for the big screen. And it is yeah. visually... Uh, Quite an epic film, Manuela. Yeah, the second I, I press play, the second I started watching it, I immediately felt so sad that I couldn't see this on the big screen. Because what, whatever you think of the film, you know, story and stuff, it is definitely a very visual movie. And it does very interesting things with um, the visuals for science fiction films, I think. Because it, it is all about this uh, sort of weird zone that appears on earth where everything is a bit different inside and it is sort of this sort of blob that forms and it has the amazing shimmer, they the it. shimmer they call mm. it the shimmer and it has really crazy colors and it is i think statistically it is a very bold choice because basically what it does is that it kind of refracts light and so it's all the colors of the rainbow so that could look really tacky but they managed to make it look really really good mm. and watching that on your tv when it's buffering every 20 minutes is not not helping mm. so that that is really sad I, it's on the stylist I was disappointed that they're still going with the what do you call the anamorphic lens flares all, all mm. the time oh, yeah, just yeah. to denote oh, this is we're going stylish here everyone yeah. um, <laughs> okay so interesting visuals a mm. great cast as well Natalie yes. Portman Jennifer Jason Lee Gina Rodriguez Tessa Thompson Oscar Isaac and is it Tuna, Tuva Novotny as Cass I, I wasn't familiar with her work but she's one of the party ah. mm. what did you think David? I totally agree that I think that it's a real shame to have not seen this in the cinema. There's especially like, so I mean, the, the, the story is these five women are kind of through a sort of confluence of events, are, are sort of sent into the shimmer, or, or maybe they choose to go themselves. And it is this kind of weird zone where nothing goes in and nothing comes out. And they, they each have a kind of determination to find something in this place and to get out and tell the world what's happening because it's the, the annihilation refers to the fact that this zone is slowly expanding and it will kind of encompass the world sooner or later mm. and I thought yeah visually it, it is pretty spectacular and I, I think that there are certain scenes within it that is that I was really sad that I wasn't seeing mm. in a cinema with that feeling of being kind of but trapped it, in a row because yes. very it's but kind of it's got still a, good to watch on the small screen. Oh it's no, it's 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 great, but actually the sound is terrible on Netflix. Yeah, I had I mean, to change the sound all the time as well. There's that's a very there's a scene thing. that's very similar to the kind of do you remember the first big T Rex scene in Jurassic Park mm. where, where where it attacks the cars? Mm-hmm. I remember seeing that when I when, when I was young and just being absolutely like stiff with fear and uh, and and there was a scene in this that was very similar it was uh-huh. very kind of like there's a big bad monster in the room and everyone's having to like stand still and mm. wonder if it's going to kind of get them but in uh, terms of like the film itself I mm-hmm. think it's definitely really good yeah. um, there are moments in it that I think are not as successful as the others but generally the story is really 
it's it's good sci-fi basically i think mm. sci-fi comes sometimes can be a bit lazy or can be a bit relying on you know tropes that have been used a lot or just copying over better films like so many films have copied copied alien alien but this one doesn't doesn't so yeah i think it's really original it's full of original ideas it's deeply sad as well so be mindful of that when you want to netflix and chill uh, but it's also full of great performances my favorite obviously is oscar isaac so i had been told he was barely in it it's not true there's a lot of oscar isaac in it and it's wonderful and he plays the husband of natalie portman and he's very important to the story um he's deeply involved with the situation in with that thing that's appeared and their relationship is key and his work because he's also a scientist uh, he's a military guy he's also really important and he does terrific work hmm. and he looks great okay i yeah stylish very creepy this film yes alex garland's films tend to be i think they're all sci-fi no or maybe the beach mm. wasn't i mean this is i think his second directorial outing but he's He's written and had a large part in in what Sunshine mm-hmm. and uh, the Beach, as I mentioned. Dread, Dread. Oh, I'd forgotten about Dread. Twenty Eight Days Later, mm-hmm. which I really enjoyed. Mm. Uh, this, I wasn't. I had the sensation sometimes that it thinks it's saying more than it is. Yeah, me too. And the the the, the questions I guess is exploring is what is the nature of destruction and when does mutation rep- actually represent new life and the the evolving nature of cells mm-hmm. and there's. That's certainly the, something that they touch on in, with the opening lines of, di- of the opening lines of the film about how life began on Earth. So he he's a man who who comes across and 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 or has some very interesting ideas. Mm. So I I enjoyed the film. It's lengthwise. What is it? It's about two hours. Uh, so that's okay. Know. Slightly it's, under. It was fine. Slightly <laughs> under. Yeah. I had an issue with it, and, uh-huh. and and it was I kind of read the whole kind of situation. As more like there was a sort of metaphorical element as well of, mm. of the you know these women going in there and you, you find out their backstories and it kind of adds up to you you kind of find out why they're there. It turns this the shimmer area into quite a big kind of metaphor with a capital M. I almost thought that the characters had too much story to them and there was too much effort spent trying to give them a reason to be there, mm. and that stopped the overall effect of what this the shimmer means. From, from actually being that impactful. Okay. Mm. Um, you know, if, if you see the film as being about maybe depression or like, you know, and, and the fact that it kind of is this thing that you don't, com- you can't comprehend. Well, that's an interesting read. I'm not, not only when um, you're inside it and, you, you know, it's kind of, it just refracts these feelings around mutates inside. Mutates everything it. into. Exactly. Mm. And, and, and mm. it reminded me a lot of Under the Skin as well. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, in that, I think stylistically, it's doing more things in that kind of almost realist sci-fi mm, yeah. than, than, than very although the skin is more artful like art cinema style and yeah. it's less linear yeah yeah, I would say that's, that's a very interesting read um, overall though I mean it's not perfect but a, a very enjoyable my, my one issue with the film I guess was the, the, the book ending with the there's a, a couple of scenes or, or the, actually there's a, there's a, a ongoing scene at, set at a different time which book ends and the movies interspersed with, mm. which I found yeah. a, a bit deflating, and the stunning climax to the film isn't oh, helped by that. Terrific. But visually, the the climax—I mean, probably shouldn't say any more than that. But yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a really good payoff, basically, at mm. the end. Very, very. To me, it was very kind of 
it felt like an experimental movie, experimental. Like it was, mm. but not not in the sense that it's abstract. You don't know what it means, but as in it's really going for it, and it's, and it's, it's compl- very creepy, but completely unpredictable as yeah, well. Yeah, completely unpredictable. Like you're, you're watching it not through, you know, you're not you're not scared. I think you're almost like. I've got, to, I've, I've got to find out what all this means. Yeah. I've got to keep watching and, and that's see why these peop- things are doing this. Exactly. Kind of. it's, mm. it's when sci-fi is good. That's what it does. All right. <laughs> what are you going to give it? Uh, anticipation, I would say free because I wasn't too excited for it, to be honest. Uh, enjoyment, four and five between really? two. Yeah. yeah, I really was sitting there, you know, just even if it was just my couch, I was still really into it and in retrospect a strong four I would say mm. there are definitely moments that could be better but it's really strong David? probably say anticipation four because I can when it came out in the US it got some really strong reviews yeah, and true. you know I, I didn't love Ex Machina but I thought it was, it was good and I was really excited and I, I love Dread though mm. absolutely love Dread, dread. so um, it's the kind of three fourth boundary for me it didn't it was like I really admired it without ever Thinking, I really love this. If there was a three and a half. That's this would be where you'd use three probably. And a half. Yeah, okay. that's where I'd break that out. Okay, yeah. I um I wasn't a massive fan of Ex Machina, but I really enjoyed this. And I, I maybe you know I'd I'd probably go a little bit more fractal, maybe three and three quarters. It's what Garland would want. I suppose so. <laughs> it's a kind of melding of I numbers that's so. not so quite one or the other. We all like this. Which you can't say about every film that we've all seen. And the critics in the state love, States love this, and it's a big film with a big cast. Why has it not been given a cinematic release in Europe, do you know? Well, it's just too weird. Is that right? I think that there is a lot of kind of rank-and-file, kind of multiplex cinema goers who would probably go and see this film and just be like... "What well, you know, it doesn't have but that... loads of weird stuff gets a, a release. I mean, Mother... Um... Yeah, I but think Mother is maybe a reason why they don't want to do that with this one. Why because it bomb? Mother, not are, the, Mother are the same studio as well, Paramount. Yeah. So I think what happened is that obviously this film, um, Annihilation, cost a lot to make. And so that's already a lot of money spent. And then they try and release it in the US and that clearly is not really paying off. And so now they don't want to waste any more money. But it does feel really lazy because their their job is to release films in cinemas. So they, I mean, it's it's they're always a risk to to release films. But yeah, yeah. Guys. I think it's really sad. But it does set a bad precedent as well. It yeah, exactly. Like, you know, That's in, my fear. Interesting studio movies. Yeah, you know, is the Netflix dollar going to be mm. too hard to resist? Yeah. Mm. And I've also seen some takes on Twitter saying, "Oh well." You can complain that it's not in cinemas, but because it's on Netflix, everyone can watch it. I don't think the average Netflix watcher is going to watch more than 10 minutes of this because it's so weird. That's the point. Do you think? I, th- I think it Have might you seen the kind of stuff people. they put on Netflix? Is yeah, but what I mean is that people <laughs> stop watching things on Netflix. They don't finish them. Do you think? And I think if you're, you know, the point of going to the cinema is that you have to sit there. I don't know that, that this is that different to some of the kind of sci-fi series that you'll find on Netflix in terms of its kind of slightly kooky starting yeah. point yeah. and an expert. I don't know. I mean, I'm delighted that it's it's it, it's finding a big audience. Alex yeah, Garland says one of the big pluses of Netflix is the fact that he doesn't get stressed about if people are going to turn up for the opening weekend and what that then will imply for its future Aww, prospects. I'm so sad for But him. he, yeah, he says... Uh, it was a disappointment. Anyway, do see it on Netflix. Yeah. And, um, and tell it, your friends it's interesting to watch that it. Everyone, like, this well, is, you see, now that's interesting. If people watch on Netflix, does that justify the studio's decision then? Well, I don't I'm know. Sorry, it's not that I don't know. No. Usually we go and see films at preview screenings and then we go back to our office and everyone's sort of asking what we've seen. And with Annihilation, 
everyone saw it on Monday night. Oh, so did like they? Ev- everyone came back into the office and everyone was talking about Annihilation. Oh, really? So it, it has almost got we that made kind it of film club this week. like water cooler element to oh, it, you okay. know. Right. So, but yeah. but it's just a one day. Th- you know, how long will it last? How long will is we, will Netflix be... going to last? You know, forever. I don't know. No, Netflix, I refuse to believe that. Netflix is the shimmer. Oh. Wow. And that is so it. true, actually, if you think about but, uh, it. There was, a, there was a, a move, and this is a slight digression, but there was a move a year or two ago to start releasing films online, streaming them on the day of release in cinema to give basically people the choice who had mm-hmm. bad speakers and buffering at home to go and yeah. spend the dollar to see them I elsewhere. I think Amazon does something strange like this, where yeah. sometimes they first release the film in cinemas and then also on Amazon Prime, but... Maybe either the same day or a bit later. Right. So the, the square is that I think. The oh, square right. will be in cinemas, and you can get it on like, right. The, you know the Curzon thing. Okay. Right. Film club is is Street Fighter. Will there ever be another film club? I don't know. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Me hard to top Street Fighter, which features Jean Claude Van Damme and Kylie Minogue together at last uh, as uh, various characters from the video game Street Fighter. Colonel Gaal and various other martial arts heroes fight against the tyranny of dictator M. Bison. Here is Chun Li as Ming Na Wen meeting up with N level boss Bison, played by Raul Julia. My father was the village magistrate. simple man with a simple code, justice. He gathered the few people that he could to stand against you. <laughs> you and your bullies were driven back by farmers with pitchforks. <laughs> My father saved his village at the cost of his own life. You had him shot as you ran away 
a hero at a thousand paces. I'm sorry. I don't remember any of it. You don't remember? For you, the day Bison graced your village was the most important day of your life. But for me, it was Tuesday. David, you're a massive fan of this film. Yes. Which was in no way... <laughs> which was totally coincidental with it being selected. Because this was actually the listener's nomination when we were asking what's been the best video game adaptation, yeah? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say I was a massive fan. Oh, really? No. I mean, I didn't... Like, before I rewatched it, I probably wasn't. But now... Now. I'm still not, but... But, <laughs> but more than you yeah, were. Yeah, more than I were. Okay, yeah. why, so were there people who were really into this film? Yeah, the question that was put out to our readers mm. uh, uh, was what is the best computer game adaptation mm. and I mean obviously we found out that it's it's actually the new Tomb Raider see, see earlier discussion Yeah. but uh, what we've got here uh, I'll read out a couple mm-hmm. Tom Joyce says I seem to remember that the Silent Hill film with Rada Mitchell and Sean Bean was pretty uh, decent I've is seen that it's terrible uh, Max Payne is easy one of the worst films I've endured uh-huh. Liam Delaney Raul Julia was transcendent as Bison in film, Street Fighter in yeah. Street Fighter the, the film didn't know what they had with him while suffering from terminal cancer too mm. we'll, we'll go into that in more yeah. detail but this is maybe one of the great swan song performances from Raul Julia mm. um, Mark Sadler according to review aggregator Metacritic it's Mortal Kombat it's a shame that all the good source material has not resulted in a decent movie. Don't stop them from trying, though. Right. I think it's a great film. Okay, so I didn't see it, and should I? You should definitely see it. Really? Absolutely. Why? Because it's a romp, and it's a video game movie in the best sense, in that okay. it understands that video games are about action. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. I would say. Well, yeah, but that's what I meant. It's <laughs> like the, the, it's kind of it's it's so shambolic and terrible, but it, but it's very enjoyable. How how but, is um, Kylie Minogue as the iconic Cammy? Well, is she, she iconic. She, yeah, yeah. Into, to Street Fighter players, I believe so. Oh, so sorry. I do not play Street Fighter. Mm-hmm. That is something I will correct. I was more well. I was Tekken actually. Ah, Tekken Man. Yeah, they never made a movie of that. <laughs> they, I think they've made animated movies. Of okay, it, yeah. good. Yeah. Um, but they, um, she's fine. It's, it's interesting in the film because they, uh, in the first like two or three minutes, they take great pains to assure the the slavish Street Fighter Two fans that every single one of their favourite characters is going to be in it. So mm-hmm. you get this kind of yeah. short introduction of, oh, oh my God, there's that guy and there's that guy. Mm-hmm. Did oh, you play Street Fighter? I did as a, as uh-huh. a, as a little, little... And you were satisfied by that intro, were you? Yes, I was. Yes. I, and and I, I was, well, I was thinking back to how I would have felt when I was like 12 mm-hmm. or whatever. And I, th- I think I would have been satisfied back then. Um, but one of the other things to, 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 to note, which is I, I found fascinating, and, it, and I think is, is up there on the screen, is that... The director and writer Stephen A. D'Souza hmm. of uh, Commando fame. Oh, he wrote Schwarzenegger. The, Commando. Yeah, yeah. He he wrote the script in a night. Uh huh. Because the guys, the, let's go and make a movie. The, the the executives from Capcom apparently. This is a bit like um, the Disaster Artist. Yeah. Right? So yeah. the executives from Capcom were apparently they were coming to America. And they they brought their meeting forward, so he was like, "Oh, I need to get a script ready for them for, for when they arrive." Uh-huh. So he dashed it off in a night, mm. and um and and gave it to them, and they were containing like containing gems such as for me that was Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's shot in like Australia, 
And that's why Cammy is in it. That's why Kylie is in it as a kind of contractual okay. obli- obligation because they got Australian money and, sh- and shot on location in Australia. Oh, so, I see. So she, it was like, well, to do that, you have to cast an Australian. Why not the most famous Australian? Yeah. It's also shot weirdly in Myanmar, which is like uh-huh. a very contentious uh, place now where there is a genocide happening. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, there there is, and apparently when they were filming, there were, it, you know, there, it was still a, an area where there was, you know, there was sort of military issues oh, and, wow. and, 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 and sort of discord. So I, I read this thing about there's a big thing bit at the end of the film where they have they attack M. Bison's base mm-hmm. and they just for some reason they decide to attack it with boats it's like yes. why would you why would you do that <laughs> because he's put landmines in the river that, like that's leading up to his base so why would you not just get in helicopters mm-hmm. and apparently that was like a kind of decision made by the production because because that, you know, helicopters were being shot out of the sky <gasps> in that area. Yeah, that so that would be a problem. So yeah, they they were like, well, we we just have to like rewrite this. So they they're going in in these like cool stealth boats now. <laughs> go do what you go do. Um, wow. No. Um, so Raul Julia then. Oh, he's you, so wonderful. Please go go talk about Raul Julia. I I love Raul Julia. Raul Julia is um, it's it would be weird to say that he's underrated because I think people who watch movies love him all the time so obviously he's more famous for the Adam's Family but in this film which is his uh, swan song uh, he's terrific he plays the villain Bison who is basically uh, sort of Hitler version you know Uh, he's called Bison which is a beautiful name Um, and he he his performance is very interesting because it is Hammy, in the sense that he's very intense and very, you know, uh, as you expect a fascistic villain to speak, but it still feels completely honest. Uh, it is. So, he was so talented, and it he really brings so much to the film. I think when he delivers that line saying it, it was Tuesday, he means every word, and it's so thrilling to it, watch him. It is it's like astonishing. Doing, it is like he's doing Hamlet. I mean, he, yeah. it's, it's, it almost feels that he is. This is this is his big moment. And he's, it's crazy. It feels like he didn't make that many films. I'm trying to think what it, Moon Over Parador, Kiss, Kiss of the Spider Woman. Woman. That was his. Mm. Yeah, that was. Mm. I think he got an Oscar for that or an mm. Oscar nomination. That, that Kiss of the Spider Woman was was the big one. That yeah. he did some quite. Yeah, he's in some Clint Eastwood movies as well as kind of yeah. more sort of stock villains. But I think he was such a such a unique actor that it probably is why uh, he wasn't in that many films but every film he was in even this one he manages to make but yeah, and, amazing and, so. he, and he made it with you know he had like um, stomach cancer yeah, he as he was doing it and, and, and he you know you see the film he, mm. he doesn't look well yeah, and he's he having and he's having he to fight and... against Jean-Claude Van Damme mm. you know it's like it's really and he did it because his kids it was one of it, apparently his kids loved the game oh. and insisted that he did it and he did it as a kind of like Final oh, well. thing, and he died before it came out, and the film's dedicated to him. So at it's the end, it says, yeah, for him. No, I think he's really great, and it's um, it's interesting actually to compare his performance to Jean Claude Van Damme's because one thing about Van Damme that I found watching this film, I, ha- I have to say, I have not seen that many Van Damme, but I'm gonna catch up because this was great. Uh, Van Damme is also very sincere. Your funeral. <laughs> no, I'm ready. Sincere. Uh, he, I think he's very sincere, as in. Uh, he knows what he's there for, you know, yeah. and he's very dramatic. He's very cool, and basically, he's bad. But he's so he believes in it so much that mm. it becomes almost good. I see. Well, it's one of the really things as talent. well, apparently, yeah. just last little tidbit here: mm. um, to get Van Damme, 
they basically spent like half the entire budget. Oh. That's why all the other characters are, are like unknowns. Oh, because apart from Kylie and Raul. Apart from Kylie and Raul, Julia. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Just thinking, this is the second film we've got featuring JC this week. Okay. Uh, oh, JC. Oh. oh, my God. Also, another thing that right. I realized when watching Tomb Raider, just yeah. to go back, is that at some point, Dominic West gets his uh, beard cut and he's old and he has long hair yeah. and he looks so much like Van Damme in all those 90s yeah, films. Yeah. Oh, yeah? And I was like, this is ridiculous. That has to be on purpose. And I, I, I want to put it out there that I believe that this haircut is Dominic West trying to be Van Damme in A homage, 1990s wow. films. Okay. So if the director is out there, right? Okay. Let me know. Uh, Stephen E. D'Souza, please make yourself known. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, there you go. That was Street Fighter. And uh, Lord knows what's going to follow that in our film club next week. David, mm. have, we, have we decided? Yeah. This is usually the bit where we suddenly realise we haven't actually worked out what film it's going to be. Well, one of the films we're talking is about... Is it Sonic the Hedgehog? No. <laughs> <laughs> there isn't a Sonic film, alas. What? Um, there, Not yet. There... there we're going to be talking about a film called Unsane next week, which is a new film by Steven Soderbergh, and it's a kind of uh, woman in peril thriller set is in an insane asylum. Or is she in danger? Is she insane? She's sane or is she insane? not insane, or is, is she, she unsane? Unsane. Who knows? Right. And um, and so we're gonna we're actually going to sort of switch things up after the, the the fun we've had with Street Fighter and actually do a, a, an old film, uh, George Cukor film, uh, Gaslight, oh, which wonderful. is a kind of gothic thriller. I mean, it's a while since I've seen it, but I remember absolutely loving it. The, the, the film which has spawned the contemporary term gaslighting. Indeed. But actually, it's not that film. It's the one before, because that's oh. a remake. Oh, yeah. The one, <laughs> oh, really? the one we're doing is the remake. I think there's right. a, there was one from like two years before or something. Was the, the original one an early Hitchcock one? I don't think it's Hitchcock. It's I think it's like 1934 or something. It's a few years before, okay. and it's really good. Okay. No, no. I, I have a feeling that he did a film called Gaslight in the 30s in England. I think so. No? Yeah, definitely did not. Rebecca. It's, no, no, it's Rebecca. Rebecca's a great shout though, because that's another story. It is, but yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But anyway, okay, Gaslight. There yes. you go. All right. So we're also doing Unsane, which looks dead scary, and A Wrinkle in Time, Disney's new release. Yep. And Have a Nice Day, which is uh, deceptively polite of title. Yes, Chinese animation, independent. Um, we don't get much of that around these days. Indeed. All right. Well. Uh, do have a watch of Gaslight, the Kukul version, and let us know your thoughts by email, if you like, truthofmovies at tcolondon.com, on Twitter, at LWLies, or the usual places, Facebook and The Wall. Anything else you'd like to mention, Manuela, before we depart? Uh, go see... Um Phantom Friend, if you haven't yet. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. what I say. And go see You Were Never Really Here, because yeah. this is really terrific. That's it. Yeah. And watch Annihilation on Netflix and tell your friends and, you know, it might give money to Netflix, but you got to watch it for Alex Garland. Okay. Just a very, very quick thing at the end to say, I, uh, um, I can't remember if it was mentioned next week, but there is a new issue of, of a fine Ooh. publication out at the moment. Little White Lies. It's called Little White Lies. What's yeah. the cover story? The cover, the cover issue, the cover film is a film called Isle of Dogs, which oh, is the yeah. new film by Wes Anderson. Yeah. It's which a, you guys probably saw, I saw last week. Yes. Yeah. I have not seen yet. You've not seen it yet. And um, we've talked to the big man himself, yep. Wes Anderson. Jesus? <laughs> not Jesus. And so did you pick did it you, up. Can we use any of that in this? Did you record it at all, the conversation? Well, Sophie did it on the phone okay. as he was on a train through the Swiss Alps, which is which is very Andersonian, I think. Yeah, that is. Um, but lots of uh, lots of great stuff in there, and that's uh, 
all good news agents right now. So pick it up. Excellent. All right. That is it then for today. Thank you, everyone, very much for listening. We'll be back with those aforementioned movies. In the meantime, this has been a Seven Digital production. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.